0: Tonight, digging out from a dump of snow on the south coast. Who was hit the hardest and why it may stay longer than first thought. Plus.
1: Uh, So this investigation
2: truly is a mystery and that is why uh, we need people to help us out.
0: A man is found murdered in Surrey. Why police say they're baffled by this killing. And. A string of fires overnight, one killing a Vancouver resident, and a firefighter seriously hurt when a floor collapses in another.
3: You're watching
4: Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
0: Good evening, thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with breaking news out of the Whistler area, where for the second day in a row, a man has been killed in an avalanche. It happened in the Brandywine Bowl area, and it involved a 45-year-old snowboarder. We will have more details just ahead. If you live on the south coast, you woke up to snow this morning and plenty of it. More than 30 centimeters fell on parts of the southern Vancouver Island and as much as 10 centimeters in metro Vancouver. And the storm isn't over yet. We have several reports tonight, beginning with Julia Foy in Abbotsford tonight. Julia, it was expected, but it's still a rare event for these parts.
5: Well, it may be rare, it just started snowing again, but here along Highway 1 between Langley and Abbotsford, if there's snow, there's trouble. The push started overnight.
1: Don't try to pass on the left or right because there's debris that can get picked up.
5: Snow plows and salt trucks hit the streets around Metro Vancouver and into the Fraser Valley, trying to keep ahead of the winter storm. Be
1: prepared, be aware.
5: Good advice, but it comes too late for several spun-out cars and flipped vehicles littering the edges of Highway 1 between Langley and Abbotsford.
6: Take lots of time,
3: leave lots of space between you and the vehicle in front of you. Uh, it's going to take you a lot longer to start, and it's definitely going to take you a lot longer to slow down and stop.
5: But the danger isn't only on the roads. The first major snowfall of the year follows a bone-chilling week that put many homeless people at risk. One of my friends almost died. They found him and he was in hypothermia and if he hadn't have been found, if the lady that found him from another shelter, actually he probably wouldn't be here today. Erline is one of the lucky ones. She's been able to find sanctuary from the cold in one of the Sarah women's shelters in Abbotsford. We were able to open this location safely um, for nine other women. Um, while still maintaining COVID protocols. This new emergency home opened just days ago in time to help provide a lifeline for those in need. But the public can help too. Winter boots are a huge need. Um, gloves, scarves, toques. With more snow in the forecast, police are asking the public to stay home if possible. Unfortunately, not everyone has that luxury. Everyone needs a home. Everyone needs a place to go at night. You know, some people, we don't choose to be where we are. Now, the temperatures are expected to drop again tonight. Police say if you do have to go out on the road, be sure you have some supplies in the car with you. Food, a blanket, a flashlight, a cell phone, just in case you get caught
0: out in the cold. Back to you, Colleen. All right, go inside, get warm. Thanks, Julia. And while Metro Vancouver got more snow than it's used to, there is even more snow on Vancouver Island. Richard Zussman is live in Victoria for us tonight with the situation there. Richard, you're at a street that has been turned into a toboggan run.
6: Yeah, it sure has, Colleen. Right now, it is the calm between two storms. But early this morning, City of Victoria crews came here to shut it down so kids could sled. Let me show you the damage here. You take a look. uh, A measurement, about 20 centimeters of snow. Fun for some, not so fun for others. (laughs) Capital City shutdown. Cars seemingly frozen in place, layered with snow. The roads... Turn to sledding hills.
7: I thought it was only going to be like an inch. Yeah, and sledding down this hill is so much fun.
6: While sledders sped by, almost everything else ground to a halt. BC Transit suspending service capital region-wide for a short time before moving to reduced routes.
3: Just make sure to plan ahead leave plenty of time for your journey as you're heading out for the day and uh, make sure to please be patient and uh, we're working hard to get you to where you need to go.
6: The snow starting late Friday evening in most parts of Greater Victoria continuing through into most of Saturday. Some troubles on the road including the semi-truck losing control on the Pat Bay Highway near Elk Lake.
3: Across the region conditions leading to warnings from police. We've had a significant amount of snow here Uh, So much so that uh, we've actually asked uh, people both in the city of Victoria and the township of Esquanalt to avoid all non-essential travel. In Victoria's
6: iconic inner harbor, snowflakes replacing visitors. City crews using the limited snow resources to keep things moving.
2: We're keeping up with it. Um, We're just reminding residents in that to be patient and uh, we will eventually get to
1: the residential
2: streets.
6: Many downtown stores closed for the day. The February blossoms shivering. Local residents picking up the slack where crews couldn't help. It's good, snow's fun. Even with a little bit of shoveling.
0: It's such a
7: change from the dark gray and it's not gonna last. Spring is gonna happen very soon, so.
6: Up Island in Nanaimo, a similar snow story. The typical challenges, but many embracing the Saturday storm.
8: It is (laughs) warm in here. It's warm, but it poses its challenges.
6: Clearly some people having some fun there, but if you're planning on moving around tomorrow and the snow does come as in the forecast, make sure you look ahead, especially when it comes to BC Transit. They say to download their app so you know if service will be running tomorrow, because like so much in Greater Victoria with this snow, still so much
0: is up in the air, Colleen. Thanks so much for that, Richard. Okay, Yvonne <laughs>
8: Schell is here with a look at what's happened today. Uh, y- you know, so much snow fell. I don't think we're used to this. No, and anywhere between 10 and up to 30 centimetres. The Malahat, we saw upwards of 30 centimetres. And these are just a few amounts, a few spots even seeing more. more Victoria out of the airport officially seeing closer to 14 centimetres. Now, we are seeing the snow just easing off. We've got temperatures cooling off. We're below the freezing mark. We're still seeing it towards the Fraser Valley east and stretching in towards Hope. But as we get in, towards the day tomorrow. We've got one storm down. We've got two more to go. And the timeline for Sunday, when I come back, I'll show you that. We have got a special weather statement as well as as a winter storm watch, rather, that's a mouthful. And a few spots could see upwards of 20 centimetres, that coming up very shortly. Colleen? Okay, thanks, Yvonne.
0: A desperate search is underway for a missing man suffering from a brain injury. 68-year-old Thomas Tremblay left his home in East Vancouver yesterday afternoon and told his caregiver he was going for a walk but didn't return for dinner. He took the SkyTrain to Edmond Street in Burnaby and may have been heading to Burn Creek Park. Tremblay is familiar with transit, but due to freezing weather conditions, police are concerned for his safety. Tremblay was last seen wearing a green tagged jacket, black toque and rain pants. He walks with a cane. If you see him, please call 911 and stay with him until first responders arrive.
1: He's fairly well-dressed for the weather. Um, there was, he was uh, seen
6: on a security camera coming out of one of the SkyTrain stations. And as I said, he looked pretty
9: well-dressed uh, well for the weather.
0: As we told you at the top of the newscast, there has been another fatal avalanche in B.C., this latest one happening today in the Brandy Wine Bowl area just south of Whistler. A 45-year-old man from the Sea to Sky area was in a group of three snowboarders who were caught up in a slide just after 2 o'clock this afternoon. Nadia Stewart now has more on why, if you get stuck in the backcountry, being rescued may take a while.
10: What was supposed to be a weekend in Whistler, now one spent closer to home. Concerns over current mountain conditions prompting North Shore Rescue Team leader Mike Danks to change his Saturday plans. And out of an abundance of caution, he's hoping others will do the same.
9: All the search and rescue teams in this south coast here have been very, very busy lately. The conditions are not good for rescues.
10: It has not been a good start to the weekend. A size 3 avalanche off Blackcomb Glacier killed one person and left another injured. According to Squamish RCMP, there have been multiple calls for help over the last few days, leading Danks to put out an urgent warning. If someone finds themselves in trouble this weekend, it might take a while before rescuers are able to get to you.
2: An uh, avalanche forecast has to be done for that specific area, and we need to get members up to the mountains, um, and they need to navigate through avalanche terrain to get to those potential spots. So you could be looking at potentially no
10: one coming today at all, and not until tomorrow morning.
9: Here we're looking at a picture
3: of the avalanche that occurred yesterday afternoon.
10: Wayne Flann posts regularly on his blog about avalanche in Whistler and along the Sea-to-Sky Corridor. He says people need to arm themselves with the right gear and the latest information. And even then, there's still a risk.
3: You can make a relatively good decision, but people sometimes don't realize that it only takes one small incident in all that decision-making process to create an avalanche.
10: On Saturday, Whistler Search and Rescue alongside RCMP were called out to a slide in the Brandywine Bowl area. Avalanche, Canada says the risk is considerable at the alpine level and moderate at the tree line in the Sea to Sky Corridor.
6: The story right now is that the wind is blowing from the north and the east, which is not
1: typical.
10: Storm expects the situation to change over the coming days. Nadia Stewart, Global News. THE INTEGRATED HOMICIDE INVESTIGATION TEAM SAYS IT'S UNCLEAR
0: IF Surrey's LATEST MURDER WAS TARGETED OR RANDOM. 31-YEAR-OLD ADRIAN GOLAFIT WAS FOUND DEAD IN HIS HOME NEAR 194TH STREET AND 66TH AVENUE IN CLAYTON Heights JUST BEFORE 7 O'CLOCK LAST NIGHT. GOLAFIT IS NOT KNOWN TO POLICE AND HAS NO KNOWN GANG TIES. THERE'S ALSO NOTHING TO LINK HIS CASE TO OTHER RECENT HOMICIDES. INVESTIGATORS SAY A FRIEND FOUND GOLAFIT FATALLY INJURED, BUT POLICE AREN'T REVEALING HOW HE WAS KILLED. Dolefit's last contact was with a friend at around 8 o'clock Thursday morning. Police say his family was blindsided and is devastated by the news.
2: There's a lot of questions around what happened to Adrian. More questions than answers, certainly. Uh, so this investigation truly is a mystery and that is why uh, we need people to help us out. Okay, uh, We need to learn as much as we can about Adrian. Uh, we need friends and associates who haven't yet come forward uh, to please reach out to us um, today and uh, really help us determine what happened.
0: Amid the snowfall, Vancouver fire crews were kept busy responding to four structure fires in less than six hours overnight, one of them fatal. Kristen Robinson has more on the tragedy and why firefighters ended up rescuing one of their own.
7: The first call, 8.30 Friday night at an apartment in Kitsilano. Fire crews say two residents of the building on West 1st Avenue near Vine unloaded three fire extinguishers to try to save their neighbor.
1: They did a a great commendable job, but they had to back up because of the conditions.
7: Gravely injured with severe burns, the victim died in hospital. Less than two hours later, firefighters ended up carrying out one of their own after responding to a fire in a vacant home in the 2200 block of East Broadway.
1: Went in the front door, and about two, three minutes later, the floor collapsed.
7: One firefighter fell through. It
1: fell
4: an entire story landing on his back below. Uh, Mayday was called at the scene, which is really every firefighter's worst fear.
1: Radio silence, focus rescue, get our member out as quickly and as safely as possible.
7: After partially self-rescuing himself, he was treated on scene and taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. The blaze started by people trying to keep warm inside the boarded-up property, say firefighters who are urging those on the streets to use extreme weather shelters.
4: We recommend that anyone who's, who's dealing with the cold and stuck outside go to one of those to stay warm. They're extremely low barrier. People can bring their possessions and their pets inside.
7: Early Saturday, a fire in a room forced the evacuation of a senior's care home in Chinatown. The cause, an either faulty or overloaded power bar. Last call, a 2 a.m. mattress fire in a suite on East Hastings, sparked by careless smoking, which sadly was also the cause of the fatal apartment fire.
4: Smoking is one of the leading causes of fires in Canada.
0: Kristen Robinson, Global News. Another rally Ian Colonna today pushing back against pandemic public health orders.
10: Magic in this world, day.
0: Several hundred people gathered at Stewart Park carrying signs saying say no to vaccines and stand up for freedom. A small group of counter-protesters also showed up, stationing themselves across the street from the rally and so- holding support signs for Dr. Henry and public health orders. Earlier in the week, Kelowna's mayor said the COVID deniers showing up at these rallies are not a reflection of the city as a whole.
3: These people do not represent Kelowna. This is a relatively small group of people in comparison to the many thousands of Kelowna citizens who follow all public health orders.
0: RCMP were on scene at the rally, but it's unclear if anyone was arrested or fined. A Vancouver Island man has pleaded guilty to one of four charges he's facing in a fatal hit and run. 35-year-old Ryan Grobe pleaded guilty Friday in Nanaimo Court to impaired driving causing the death of Spencer Moore. In August 2019, Moore was struck and left to die in the middle of Hurst Avenue in Parksville. Grobe is also charged with three other offenses, including dangerous driving causing death and failing to stop at the scene of a deadly collision. A date for sentencing will be fixed in April.
2: don't have to go out uh, please stay home that uh, allows us to do our work there safely and also for your own safety however for residents and business owners um especially if you have walkways or sidewalks in your frontages please have them cleared by uh 10 o'clock in the morning it is under the bylaw. so um but again i'm encouraging also residents to assist others uh, especially if you have elderly neighbors in that that can't be or not able to get out there please help them out
0: a timely reminder for all of us bcaa is reminding drivers to carry some essentials in our vehicles right now a winter driving emergency kit and a covid kit The association says outings during the pandemic can require more advanced planning, and drivers need to be aware that road conditions can change in an instant, especially during a snowstorm. BCAA recommends having safety cones, jumper cables, a shovel, windshield scraper, brush, flashlights, batteries, and a spare container of winter-grade washer fluid. Warm clothing, boots, gloves, a blanket, and a supply of non-perishable food and water is also important.
9: First question is, is this trip necessary? You know, we're still adhering to the provincial health orders. So is this one of these trips that's essential for us? Um, And if it is, you know, uh, do we have everything prepared for ourselves uh, in our vehicle and for ourselves mentally? Um, Not all of us get the opportunity to work from home, so we still have to be out on the road. So and do that commute with everybody else.
0: An investigation is underway tonight into an alleged case of deer poaching near downtown Kelowna. Jamie Tawil is sifting through some shocking surveillance video and a warning. It may be disturbing to some of you.
3: You can actually see in the video he's got a loaded arrow. That thing's ready to go, hey?
0: A Kelowna resident was
3: shocked after being alerted to the images on his home surveillance in the Lakeshore Braylock area Wednesday. A man on his property in broad daylight armed with a loaded crossbow and moments later images of a wounded deer. They have actually put a pile of food on this road to attract the deer. The resident who wants to remain unidentified says he later discovered that individual wasn't alone either. They're looking up the bank. right but they don't know what to do now because now they're really on private property right and that's also the concern for another nearby resident
2: my grandkids play outside now granted they're not right in maybe sight line of where a hunter might be shooting but they were definitely they had they been
0: outside they would have been in range of this crossbow
3: Officers with the BC Conservation Officer Service confirm a deer was found just meters from where that surveillance footage was taken.
2: Uh, We had uh, indication that possibly a deer had been arrowed, so uh, the following day there, the following morning there, we attended and... uh basically conducted an investigation which is ongoing right now. It is not deer
3: hunting season in British Columbia and permission is always needed for hunters to gain access to private property. Conservation officials saying they're not taking this situation lightly.
2: The message that we want to get out to the public is that uh, we treat uh, residential poaching very seriously. Um, it's not only harmful to wildlife but it also puts uh, you know it jeopardizes public safety so it's something we really uh do treat serious and uh you know we try to prevent that from happening while charges
3: are likely to be laid in this case it is still very much an active investigation and officials say it could be days if not weeks before we know what offenses specifically could be in play we do know maximum penalties under the wildlife act in bc range of fines of hundred thousand dollars to one year in prison although officials also say in this case specifically it's highly unlikely either of those will apply Jamie Tawil, Global News, Kelowna.
0: A B.C. man is warning the public about the dangers of illegal leg hold traps after a close call earlier this week ethan heckrod's five-year-old saint bernard bernese cross henry stepped on a leg hold trap along a forest service road near proctor lake in the north okanagan thursday it happened about five kilometers from silver star mountain resort but the ski hills search and rescue team still ventured out to help henry and his owner who were suffering from mild hypothermia thanks to his large bones and thick skin henry suffered no breaks or punctures His owner says the trap was unmarked and covered in snow. An annual Metro Vancouver fundraiser for the less fortunate is taking on a new look this year, like so many things. As part of what's being called the seventh annual Coldest Night of the Year campaign, Craig Savage and his 15-year-old son Connor walked 23 kilometres through the snow from Port Coquitlam to East Vancouver today. It's all to raise funds and awareness for the hurting, hungry and homeless in Metro Vancouver.
11: We're not able this year to do our usual kind of event where everybody gathers at one location and walks together. So we're encouraging people to do their own creative walks with just their own household because with the COVID restrictions, that's how we have to do it. And so we thought this would be something big and crazy to to do as much as we could do to draw attention to this and, uh, and get people excited about being a part of it.
0: Good for them. The main event for this year's City Reach Care Society fundraiser is next weekend. A magnitude 7.1 earthquake struck off northeastern coastline of Japan today, shaking buildings in Tokyo and near the site of the Fukushima nuclear disaster. The quake hit just after 11 p.m. local time, sparking widespread power outages. Dozens of people were injured, but there appears to be no major damage and no tsunami warning was issued. All in-person voting has been called off in today's provincial election in Newfoundland and Labrador after a COVID-19 outbreak in St. John's was linked to the highly infectious B117 variant first discovered in the UK. Elections Newfoundland says many poll workers in the ridings where the election was set to proceed were quitting over fears of contracting and spreading the virus. Canada's COVID-19 cases have been largely decreasing in recent weeks, but the country's top doctor says this latest outbreak in St. John's shows how those numbers can change in almost an instant. Dr. Theresa Tam says modeling data in Canada's hotspots likely point to a third wave and that speeding up vaccinations will help prevent it. There are concerns about the spread of COVID-19 in Toronto's homeless shelters, especially one involving a new variant. Public health officials are conducting tests to determine which variant was identified at a shelter run by the Salvation Army. All eight of the infected residents and their close contacts have been relocated to a designated isolation and recovery site. At the city's largest men's shelter, the number of active cases has doubled in the last 10 days. and There were at least 43 known infections as of Friday. None of the cases at this shelter have been linked to the new variants. The U.S. Senate voted today and acquitted Donald Trump. The former president was accused of inciting the deadly riots at the American A conviction on his second impeachment was unlikely, but the Democrats were determined and at the last minute even tried to call in witnesses. Reggie Cicchini has the latest from Washington.
9: Closing on the arguments built during the week. Senators, this cannot be the beginning. It can't be the new normal. It has to be the end. House impeachment managers worked to convince Republicans that Trump's rhetoric linked to an election lie resulted in the attack on the Capitol.
7: Donald Trump knew the people he was inciting leading up to January the 6th. He saw the violence they were capable of.
9: Trump's defense, meanwhile, stuck with arguments about process and that their client was the victim of a never-ending hunt. The House manager's false narrative is a brazenly dishonest attempt to smear, to cancel constitutional cancel culture their number one political opponent but as republicans geared up to hand trump his second impeachment acquittal a nearly three-hour delay almost derailed the proceedings we would like the opportunity to subpoena congresswoman herrera house impeachment managers called a last minute vote for witnesses there's a little confusion here Democrats wanted to speak with a Republican lawmaker who had details of a phone call between Donald Trump and the top-ranking Republican in the House, Kevin McCarthy, while the riot was underway. This is an additional critical piece of corroborating evidence. After a lengthy delay, Democrats simply read the account into the record, which Trump's lawyers agreed was accurate. But still, the idea of calling any witnesses riled up Republicans, but also revealed the strength of party loyalty.
3: The reason you're seeing this this Hail Mary is everybody knows the outcome of this proceeding.
9: It's a jarring comment since senators swear an oath to be impartial jurors. And while the House and attempted and to sway undecided senators, the defense offered an avenue to Trump loyalists to vote without fear of political fallout.
0: In Health Matters tonight, the Oxford-AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine will soon be tested on children in the UK. The study will assess the immune responses in roughly 300 kids between the ages of 6 and 17. They're expected to get their first shot later this month. Pfizer and Moderna began similar trials last year. The University of Oxford's chief researcher says the testing is needed in case health officials decide to extend mass vaccination programs to children. There's an
11: old song, Love the One You're With. I
0: think that's kind of what's happening here. How the pandemic is impacting this year's Valentine's Day. We will detail the many ways right after Yvonne's forecast. And Yvonne, you've got the big important job today.
8: Yes, more snow on the way. We've had a significant amount today, anywhere between 10 and up to uh, 30 centimetres upwards, especially along the Malahat. We'll start off with a couple of shots with showing us that snowfall, even tobogganing. This was taking place at Sunset Beach, captured by John. A great one, but you need to look very closely, Colleen and everyone at home. Cole Harbour, a little snowman. This one was Taken by Jamie and another snowman that was captured in Kitsa. This one taken by Shayla and in Richmond, a great shot showing us the snowfall. Taken by Anthony. So thank you so much for all your photos. Continue to send them in. All right, we do have a special weather statement for Metro Vancouver. All areas that are in gray along the south coast, the island, Sunshine Coast included within that. Now the yellow is the winter storm watch and the snowfall warning along the central coast will bring up to five centimeters of snowfall. Now we're tracking this, especially overnight, leading in towards tomorrow morning. We'll see drier conditions, and then as we get in towards the afternoon, we've got the precipitation moving in. Now, this forecast is showing us that it'll start off as snow for most areas, or snow mixed with rain, and then we'll start to see that mixing. That's the pink that we're seeing towards the afternoon, and then a change over to rain. So we are going to see the potential between 2 and up to 4 centimetres. These will be additional amounts for most areas across the south coast. The island will be included within that, and we are going to see anywhere between 4 and potentially up to 8 centimetres for areas along the southern Sunshine Coast. Now, if you're traveling, especially uh, in towards eastern sections along the mountain ha- passes, we are keeping a close eye now for the Fraser Valley, and this is the reason why. Winter storm watch that's in effect. We've got the storm, but it'll continue all the way in towards Tuesday. Now, Abbott's for tomorrow, I'll see it as snow changing over to rain, but in between that and that transition, we've got the potential for freezing rain. Central areas and east extending in towards Hope, though, a significant amount of snow. It'll actually intensify through the day on Monday and then Monday overnight into Tuesday still seeing snowfall before it changes over to rain on Tuesday and we could see the potential between 15 and up to 25 centimeters so not out of the clear just yet we'll be keeping a close eye. This starts to develop tomorrow late in the day for areas towards the Fraser Valley. So stay tuned. We'll have an update and anticipate that we'll start to see some watches and warnings pop up late this evening and in towards tomorrow morning. Now, along the northern half of the province, snow changing over to rain, two and up to four centimetres. Flurries for much of the central and southern interior. And we are keeping a close eye as we get in late into the morning and afternoon. Snow mixed with rain. We could still see two and up to four centimetres. And then the potential once again for Monday, a bit of a break. It's going to feel very balmy and change on the way with some sunshine in the mix and temperatures up to 7 on Tuesday. Colleen. thank
0: goodness. Thanks so much, (laughs) Yvonne. Warm up. Yes, indeed. A warning. Some of the content in this next story might not be suitable for younger viewers. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day, and this year, like just about everything else, it will be different. But according to a new survey, many are learning to adapt and pivot in order to celebrate the Day of Love.
11: It is really scary for a lot of
12: people. Relationship expert Joey Garcia says the pandemic is having a big impact on people's Valentine's Day plans.
11: People are so afraid because they don't want to get COVID.
12: A survey by Match.com found more than 70% of singles say they haven't had sex during the pandemic.
11: I think there's a lot of loneliness and sadness. We have arousal
12: gel. We have massage cream. One interesting impact... Businesses like Sacramento's Lamore Shop are seeing rising demand for their adult novelties. Since the pandemic started, sales have kept going up, up, up. Traditionally, most customers are men, but now they're seeing a surge of women coming in to purchase products for themselves. A store like this can help uh, starve off a little bit of that cabin fever and the, the sort of isolation and loneliness that comes from that. Another trend is people having relationships with their close contacts, like roommates or coworkers.
11: There's an old song, love the one you're with. I think that's kind of what's happening here. There's nothing wrong with it. We just wanna make sure we're not entering that relationship because last ditch, I don't have anything else.
12: And Joey says Valentine's day doesn't have to be depressing for people without a partner during the pandemic.
11: It's a day when you can celebrate yourself, send yourself flowers if that's important to you, or, you know, draw your own bubble bath, order in from your favorite restaurant. It can be a really sweet holiday for everyone.
0: Nothing like self-love, right?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, if that means, you know, buying yourself a Kit Kat, I mean, that's, that's Valentine's. Why
0: not? What the heck? Why not? What do you have coming up?
2: Well, the heat is certainly on the Canucks with uh, six-game losing streaks. So Their owner, Francesco Aquilini, uh, sent out a series of tweets basically saying that uh, the coach and the GM are safe. They're not going anywhere. Be patient, he says, which is kind of ironic because Francesco is not known for mm-hmm. his patience with this hockey team, but we'll see what happens. In the past, we've seen ownership kind of back up management and then like a week later fire them. Mm-hmm. So we'll see uh, where that goes. And tennis fans, Felix Oge, Alia Sims, into the uh, fourth round at the Australian Open. His match is underway. We'll have some early highlights of that as well.
0: Looking forward to it. Thanks very much. It's called the Heart of the Fraser, an ecologically sensitive area conservationists say needs immediate attention. One of them is now calling on the federal government to use a new legal mechanism to protect the critical fish habitat. It's in reaction to a recent global news story that exposed damage to the area by recreational activity. Paul Johnson has more.
4: It's an area known as the Heart of the Fraser. A stretch of the river near Chilliwack where channels wander through a network of small islands and gravel bars. Global News traveled there recently by chopper, and our guide was veteran river conservationist Mike Angela.
1: The heart of the Fraser is one of the most productive stretches of river anywhere on earth. It sustains almost 30 species of fish, it has our very best sturgeon habitat, it sustains our largest single spawning run of salmon.
8: Don't touch
4: my truck. Hey. So you can only imagine Angelo's reaction when he saw this. Video obtained by Global News that appears to show an organized off-road truck event on the very gravel bars that biologists say are critical fish habitat. Most disturbing to them, the images of trucks fjording these shallow channels, which they say are most likely teeming with incubating salmon eggs.
1: I knew there were salmon eggs in the river, so literally fish were killed. There was also extensive habitat damage, So, uh, so that's an issue where I think governments have to act.
4: In the days after our report on this, the Department of Fisheries and Oceans told Global News they're aware of the threat to sensitive habitat here and are working on solutions. Global News also learned that in an email to stakeholders, a DFO fishery officer said the people who organized this event will be dealt with and they've ordered signs to go up alerting people that it's an offense to destroy fish habitat. I was disheartened
1: when I saw the film of those trucks driving through the river.
4: But Angelo says the best outcome would be for DFO to use a new tool available to them to designate the heart of the Fraser region as an ecologically sensitive area. Legislation made such designations possible only about a year ago. And to date, the federal government has yet to create a single one.
1: So, no surprise, Angelo has a suggestion. And I can't think of a better candidate anywhere in the country for that designation than the heart of the Fraser. Paul
4: Johnson, Global News.
0: Okay, Barry, I don't know what it's going to take to light a fire under the Canucks. The flames, perhaps?
2: Uh, oh, good one, Colleen. See what I did there? it got to be. That, I think they're going to win just because of that. Uh, <laughs> puns fire them up uh, as well. All right. Thanks, Colleen. The Canucks uh, certainly are desperate for a win tonight against the Flames. Vancouver hasn't won for two weeks. Six straight losses have them second last in the North Division. Right now, they are three points behind the Flames, but Calgary's got four games in hand. So, yeah, the Canucks need this one. A win does feel like it's getting closer. Keep playing tight defensively like they have the past couple games, but just convert one or two more chances at the other end and the Canucks can finally taste sweet victory. I think we're
12: pretty close. Um, I mean, you know, in the past, we've talked about playing better defensively. I think we're doing that now, and, you know, we're working together as five-man units, and I think it's just a matter of putting the puck in the net. Um, you know, we got to get to the front of the net, um, get pucks there, and, and I think bang in a few ugly ones.
2: You know, I felt like earlier in a stretch, there was, some, there was more than one or two areas that we didn't like in our game, so we've had to tighten it
1: up, and... uh I do see a marked difference in our game right now and but we've got to continue to improve and, and be good in the areas we have been and improve and still improve in areas that we need to it's hockey
2: day in Canada. Although when isn't it hockey day in Canada? Ottawa and Winnipeg, second period, Mark Shifley gets the icebreaker for the Jets, chips in his sixth, and it's one nothing. Winnipeg, one of the teams the Canucks certainly are chasing for one of those playoff spots. Senators, though, tie it two minutes later. Former Florida Panther of Guinea Dadanoff. Nice redirection off the Colin White feed. 1-1 after 2. Looked like overtime, but with just nine seconds left, Brady Kachuk wins it. Fantastic high deflection in the slot. 2-1 the final. Jets lost one earlier this year to the Oilers with less than one second left in the game, so good help for the Canucks with the Jets falling to the Sens. Habs and Leafs, top two teams in the North Division. Toronto has won the first two meetings so far this season. First period, quick start for the Leafs. Mitch Marner from Austin Matthews. one nothing, Toronto. Those two a deadly combination for Toronto. Stays that way until the third... Brendan Gallagher and Philip Deneau combined to set up Tyler Toffoli for his 10th of the year. Of course, eight of those 10 have come against the Canucks, but that's a big one for Toffoli and the Habs. And then with three minutes to go, it's Gallagher in his office in front of the net, knocks down the point shot, then fires upstairs for the game winner, his sixth, as the Habs beat the Leafs 2-1. to one. Bruins and Islanders, Matthew Barzell looking to cool off a Bruins team with just one regulation loss in 13 games. 10-1-2 and record for Boston. First period, Patrice Bergeron to Brad Marchand, who snaps at home. Those two have combined on a few NHL goals over the years. One nothing on Marchand's ninth, but the Isles tied it, then took the lead Jordan Eberle off the right wing past to Karask, who knows that's a terrible goal on an NHL goalie. Late second, Bruins on the move. Marchand returns the favor, sets up Bergeron, who scores to tie it 2-2. Third period, pretty pass play by the Isles. Anders' lead to Coquitlam's Matthew Barzell hammers the one-timer pass. Rask. That was the game-winner as the Isles beat the Bruins 4-2. Milos Raonic is scheduled to meet world number one and eight-time Australian Open champ Novak Djokovic in a fourth-round match in Melbourne around 1.30 a.m. our time. It may take until then to find out if Djokovic will even play. He strained an abdominal muscle in his last match two days ago and will have to decide if he can endure the pain against Rounich and that rocket serve. Raonic, though, is 0-11 lifetime versus Djokovic, so Milos will gladly take the walkover if it comes to that to get to the quarterfinals. Meanwhile, on court right now, fourth-round match between Montreal's Felix Auger Aliasim and Russian qualifier Aslan Karatsev. Karatsev into the round of 16 in his first ever Grand Slam tournament but Felix looking to end that Cinderella run. Felix off to a strong start in the first set put away at net there up 4-1 and then he will serve out the set another big serve and finish took the opening set 6-3. He's just won the second set 6-1, so Felix just a set away from the quarters in Australia. Meanwhile, Vancouver's Vashik Pospisil and partner Dennis Shapovalov are out of the men's doubles competition. They appeared to be well on their way to victory, serving for the match at 5-3 in the second set, but they could not close it out. They had a handful of match points in the second set tiebreaker, but again couldn't close it out, and it came back to bite them as the American team of uh, Francis Tiafoe and Nicholas Monroe rallied to win it in three sets. So Vashik and Dennis are both finished in Melbourne. Third round at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, although no amateurs this year because of COVID. Daniel Berger in the short par four, 300 yards. Berger with driver in hand, and he crushes this one. Absolutely perfect. Not only drives the green, but it's tight, just eight and a half feet from the hole. So... Berger then will step up, finish the job as he knocks down the putt for an eagle two. Berger tied for second at 11-under. Jordan Spieth began the day with a one-shot lead from the bunker at six. Third shot on the par five. This one has a chance to go down for eagle. Somehow stays out, but it's a tap-in birdie for Jordan. Spieth had a tough back nine. Three bogeys to fall out of the lead, but makes up for it. From 160 yards out, big sweeping hook. And that lands softly and tracks in for an eagle, too. Spieth's second hole-out for an eagle from the fairway this week. He's at 13-under, a two-shot lead as he goes for his first win since 2017. Defending champ Nick Taylor of Abbotsford is at 4-under, tied 34th. English premiership for his place, Man City, taking on Tottenham Hotspur. Already 1-0 City when they get another. Ilke Gundogan will find room on the short side there, 2-0. And then in the 66th, the play starts... With the City goalkeeper from 70 yards, uh, a 70-yard boot from Ederson, perfectly weighted for Gundogan one more time. Wow, what skill to take that down and to finish. Man City win again 3-0. They are starting to run away with it at the top of the English Premiership, now seven points clear of second place. Also today, Leicester hosting Liverpool. Defending champs continue to nosedive in the standings. Mo Salah opened the scoring with his 17th of the year, but it was all Leicester after that. James Madison converts the free kick. Then they go on ahead on a big blunder by Liverpool uh, keeper Allison Becker. Crossed wires with his defender. Free path for Jamie Vardy, who will put it into the empty goal. Fox has scored three times in a seven-minute span. Harvey Barnes, unchallenged, slots it in. Fourth place Liverpool, third straight loss, 3-1 final. Leicester now second, a point ahead of Man United. And that's it for sports. calling back to you.
0: All right. Thanks so much, Barry. So tomorrow is Valentine's Day, Barry.
2: <laughs> hey, it's Valentine's Day at my place every day.
0: Oh, every good day. answer, Barry. Oh, your wife is so lucky. <laughs> uh, and when it comes to love, sometimes you have to get creative for, or to find that special somebody. Well, in Moscow, singles took a ride on a Ferris wheel today to find a date. Dozens of men and women had just one minute or seven minutes, one ride or seven minutes to find a match on the eve of the Day of Love. Women waited inside the heated cabins while men had to swap out after each ride. After the round was completed, each, participated, uh, each participant secretly marked their picks on a form with the organizers promising to put the matches together.
8: What a great idea? Great idea. I've never seen that before. <laughs> I love that. It's great. Okay, Yvonne. One last look at the weather. Very important. We still have some more snow on the way, but it'll be dry overnight with some cloud cover into the morning hours. But then as we get in late morning into the afternoon, snow two and up to four centimetres and then changing over to rain.
0: All righty. And that is the news hour for tonight. Thanks for joining us. So Jordan will be here at 11. Yvonne will have another update on the forecast for you then. In the meantime, have a good night.